Rock Solid Wrestling makes its way back down the Mile of Gold and returns to Kirkland Lake, Ontario for the first time in four years. Saturday night, August 19th, live from the Northern College Athletics and Wellness Center, it's a night of fights in support of community living Kirkland Lake. Featuring Canadian heavyweight champion Scotty the Body, Cody Diener, Crystal Moon, Tornado, and more. Get your tickets online at rocksolidwrestling.tickit.ca or in person at the Pronto Store on Taylor Avenue. Rock Solid Wrestling is back in Kirkland Lake, Saturday, August 19th. Don't miss it. Hey, everybody, this is your warlord of weird, Sin Bodhi, and you're listening to Count It Out with Tyler and Mike and Cookie. have counted out with mike and tyler hey guys how are we doing how are you doing great guys thanks for taking my question here uh i'd like to ask a question to both of you actually i want to talk about the incredible main event scene in impact wrestling right now and just the incredible job that impact has done in building the credibility of all of its championships you know both you both of you have been such a huge part in helping set the standards of what it takes to become a champion in impact wrestling and on any given night, we can see any champion in that main event spot. So my question is, is there a little bit of friendly, let's call it competition in that locker room when it comes to maybe the knockouts, the exhibition and that world title scene of who's going to get that main event spot in, the, in you know, in all those big shows? Oh, man, as far as competition goes like that, not that I know of. And quite frankly, I don't care. I care about my <laughs> My performance alone i hope everybody else kills it in their matches too but if i take my eyes off the prize then i'm not devoting 100 of my attention to what i need to do and to me that's irresponsible and i think really truly it speaks to my work ethic but that work ethic is reciprocated amongst most of the other champions that i've seen and again i don't pay tons of attention to it but everybody's working their ass off to provide the absolute best in-ring product and i think that's why impact especially this year is starting to catch some eyes it's probably the most underrated wrestling product that I've seen in my 30 plus years of being a wrestling fan. I agree with Alex. I think you never know who you're going to see in that title picture. I think impact has been very consistent in terms of, um, you know, utilizing most of our talent or if not all of our talent. So you never know who's going to have that one opportunity and step up to the plate. And like Alex said, it's for me, just watching from the outside backstage and you know that work ethic is very important and plays a factor and you know who wants it the most and who's willing to put in the most work and Alex waited a long time for that opportunity and he seized it so you know who's that next person absolutely I just think it's uh just a tip of the cap to all you guys I don't know another wrestling promotion in the world where any champion on any given night can slide into that main event spot and everybody's excited for it. So I just love what Impact's doing. I agree with everything you guys are saying. And uh, you UK fans, I, I want we want to hear you singing some Impact Wrestling theme songs ah. as well. Okay, <laughs> us Canadians, you know, we're proud fans over here, but we want to hear what songs you guys are going to be singing over there. We're looking forward to it. Best Thank of you. luck, guys. Enjoy the tour. Appreciate you. Thank, Thank you. Well, 
We are live. <laughs> that was a live reaction. We are live, pals. Oh. Welcome to another edition of the Bill After Seal of Approved Black Label well Pro. Count it out with Mike and Tyler. For those of you guys listening on Spotify, I don't know how or when I ended up with this, but I'm wearing Mike's shirt that he's left at the house, apparently. That would have been, I think, yeah, I, I wore that. It would have been the last Barry show you came The to. last Barry show. My birthday. And I, and I crashed at your place that night. So, yeah. That's Mike, that uh, I, I, did not, that shirt. Yeah. I did not reveal myself on camera until right now. <laughs> and uh, Mike did not know I was wearing his shirt, which I think is hilarious. That is amazing. Uh, yeah, fantastic. wearing Mike's shirt. Black Label Pro. Great shirt. Josh Alexander's on it. And uh, I don't know what's uh, on there, but. Jake. Jake something's on there. Effie's uh, on it. Nice. Dan, Dan the dad's on there. It's a great shirt. That is a great shirt. It's very comfortable too. I don't know if you'll be getting this one back. But... <laughs> <laughs> you know, you now owe me a t-shirt and a mask, motherfucker. I still have your birthday mask as well. Well, I haven't seen you to be fair since I got it, but that will all very be changing true. on September the 9th. Is that correct? Damn right. It will. Let's will start off. This. No, nothing staring me away from the show. Even if we didn't have a huge announcement to make about the show, Nothing would still tear me away because this is this is gonna be a big one for Barry, brother. Well, it's gonna be a big one for Canada as well. So uh, we have a huge announcement, and I want to go ahead and just start oh, right wait. off. Are we ca- are are we counted out? We're counted. Are we out. the are we the bill after seals approved? Counted out. We are the bill after. You are hard, Mike. I am. You, me- you went. We we went right to the t-shirt reveal. We didn't do our intro. I did the intro. I just didn't introduce did ourselves. Really? Yeah, I put Bill oh, after okay. in there. I always put oh, Uncle Bill right. in there. Maybe I didn't. Right. I don't know. I'm fucking tired tonight. I don't think so. <laughs> Anyways, huge announcement. Uh, we are very proud, as always. You know, we've been partnered up with Barry Wrestling for the last three years now. Two years, sorry. This is the beginning of our third year with Barry. Yeah. Uh, and our anniversary show was always the Back to School show. That was our first one. Yeah. And... Um, on September the 9th, Mike and I will be doing the very first ever live edition of Count It Out with Mike and Tyler inside the Barry Wrestling Ring. It is going to be part of the pre-show, and we are very excited about it. We're working on locking down our guests for it. I'm not going to say who it is yet, but it is a fun, fun guest if we pull it off. And uh, I'm pumped up, man. This is going to be a lot of fun. Man, I've been so excited. We we've been talking about this for several months. Uh, we've been working on the um, on the execution of it with, with with Sean Gibson lately. We didn't want to announce this too early, but I've been too ex- I've been so excited to finally get to the point where we could announce it. We're just over a month away. Uh, back to school. Sean has a certain image in his brain for back to school, and it's the exact same image that I've had since we started going and that's back to back to school is the wrestlemania of barry wrestling it's their big you know season premiere if it were you know because indie wrestling indie wrestling in general takes a little bit of a hit during um during the summer because everyone's everybody except for chops is uh too busy to go to wrestling shows and they're doing everything else and i know it is wrestling shows take a bit of a hit when everybody's home, everybody's doing th- stuff in September, everybody goes to the wrestling shows. Back to School is usually one of the biggest shows uh, that Barry puts on. So we're so goddamn excited to be not only a part of this show, because it is our two-year anniversary with Barry Wrestling, which is special 
to us alone. But for Sean to trust us and to so graciously just say, guys, do yeah, do your thing. Like, like he, he opened up his door to us and said, hey, get in front of my crowd make and, and, and you know, live your dream. Um, I love Sean for that. Sean has always been so good to us. And it just continues. And he, he supports this podcast as much as we support Barry Wrestling. And I love that. Yes. And uh, as we get closer to the event, we will be having Sean join us on this show as well. 100%. That will be confirmed. Now, now, before we get to what you want to talk about, uh, and I know you want to talk about some uh, some a show that you went to recently. Yeah, personal but stuff here. But... but if we're going to talk about a great show like Back to School, which we're involved in, we have to talk about another great show that we're, we're involved in. And that, of course, is on August the 19th in Kirkland Lake, Ontario. And we're talking about rock solid wrestling, baby. Punches, pile drivers, and pinfalls. Another big show coming up here. And of course, your list this week is brought to you by this show. Rock Solid Wrestling presents Punch and Pile Drivers and Pinfalls. August 19th. Get your tickets now. Uh, show's getting closer. I'm getting excited. There's a lot of great uh, vignettes that our good friend Adam has been releasing over on the Rock Solid Facebook page. A lot of fun little sketch and interviews that they've been doing. A lot of excitement coming in this show Big, big main event there. Scotty the Body going up against Tornado for the World Heavyweight Championship for Rock Solid Wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited, man. I I, I really want to get out to a Rock Solid show soon. I haven't been out to one yet. It's hard, They're hard to come by like for us because they don't come directly in our area. And you and I don't have a whole lot of time for traveling. Well, they, um, they ran to Saga Beach last, uh, earlier well, this year. Well they, well, they do Collingwood quite often, which yeah. is just outside of Saga Beach. So I think the best chance for guys like us would be the Collingwood shows. So hopefully the next Collingwood show you and I will, will get out to. Um, I mean, they they do your old uh, stop the grounds quite often. Maybe we'll get up to Sudbury one of these days. Sudbury Saturday uh, night, baby. You know, maybe we'll do a Sudbury show. I would have loved to be at the Kirkham Lake show because that whole area, Kirkham Lake, Ingleheart, New Lister, that that's my old stopping grounds. I, that's where I literally grew up from the age of uh, – from the age of six to the age of uh, 20. So, Some people would debate if you have grown up or not. Very fucking true. Not um, me, though. Not me. So so I wish I could get up there. No, because you're wearing my T-shirt. <laughs> Actually, this is Carl's shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Frank. Uh, <laughs> um, so I wish I could make it up to that KL show. Uh, but hell, the last time I was at that KL show was the show I talked about all the time here with... Uh, where I got the ref, RJ City versus Rico Montana. Yeah. So that's the last time I was at a KL show. So I would love to get up to this one. Um, but it, it just it's just uh, not to be. But we will eventually make ourselves over to Rock Solid Wrestling because they are doing some really, really great things, not only for professional wrestling, but for the world in general and their community because every single red cent from this uh, August 19th show is going to Kirkham Lake uh, Community Living, yes. which is a, an amazing cause. Uh, it's amazing by the guys. You know, I know wrestlers got to make their money. I know promo- promoters got to make their money. But every once in a while, to see guys do the right thing and, and give that money to, to people who really need it, especially when it goes right back into your community, love seeing that shit. Love it. Yeah, and, you know, on this show also, you're going to see one of our favorites, Crystal Moon. 
Uh, she's going to be on the show as well as Impact Wrestling Superstar Diener is going to be on there as well. So it's a big, big show. I, uh, I'm i excited for it. I can't wait to to follow along and then keep seeing the matches as they get released. And and a, a, fa- a favorite of ours as well, Mr. Uncle Custom has been signed for that show. Do love me some uh, Uncle Custom. Gotta love me some Custom, man. Love them. So, uh, yeah, big, big show. Talking about shows, you went to one very recently that I'm excited to hear about. Yeah. Uh, this, is kind of a, this is kind of an impromptu show for you, right? You just kind of popped in and you well, saw some really cool shit. I mean, uh, yeah, I went up to Beaverton, Ontario, which, uh, yeah, Beaverton, cool. But I ended up going to uh, Santino Morella's gym, his new gym up there in Beaverton, which is a very nice facility, by the way. Wait, which, by the way, I knew you were do. I, I wish I knew you were doing because I would have aligned things. My cottage is only half an hour from Beaverton. Oh, really? <laughs> so, eh? so if I was at the cottage at the time, we could have made that work. But you kind of just called me on the way home, and <laughs> yeah, well, it was uh, it was a spur of the moment thing. So I'll peel the curtain back a little bit here. Uh, I'm sure you've heard us talk about a uh, friend of the show and my be- one of my best friends since kindergarten, uh, Wilson. You know, there, there's and a man, a man I'm very proud to, to call a friend because of you. Yes. Uh, he's a big part of Barry Wrestling, of my Barry Wrestling experience. He's been coming to those shows since our second show. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah you know, he's a he's a big part of my, uh, you know, while, you, while you're up being a big star in the fucking ring, I get to hang out with Willie at the table. And, uh, and, and you know, it, it's a lot of fun uh, being with Willie at these shows. I mean, big star might be a stretch. I am a proud, wideless celebrity in Barrie, Ontario. I, I wish. I love that. <laughs> um, but anyways, yeah. I don't yeah. want to see the Z-list. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just got Diamond Jim Lowe on it, so. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, that's Shots right, Jim. fired. Well, I figure you always make fun of me about Jim, so I was going to jump ahead of the curve this week, but uh, <laughs> uh, maybe him and John Atlas have been hanging out a little bit. That's different. I digress. I digress. Um, which, by the way, I'm making my return to Barry Wrestling this Saturday for Kempen Fest. I'm very excited for that. Your return. You missed one show. That's right. CM Punk. It feels I, I love how you're, you're, you're CM Punk now. You, you, re, you retired yesterday. I'm making my big return tomorrow. It feels like an eternity ago I was at a Barry show. Mm-hmm. I missed I missed the July show. I haven't been to Barry since June. It's August now. Like, that's a. Uh, I'm going through that, by the way, That, by the way, for all you old WrestleMania fans, that's a shot at Andrew Kent. Who put CM Punk's return to WWE on as his like number one or number two of uh, great returns when the guy was gone for a fucking week? <laughs> yeah, that was that was a, not my favorite return. No. But anyways, uh, let's get back on track here. So, um, yeah, Wilson, myself, Wilson, and our other buddy Kerr, we've all been uh, really, you know, pretty much best friends since kindergarten. Like we we grew up together. We we used to backyard wrestle together. He was Wilson was nice guy, Kerr was ruckus, and I was mayhem. That was our thing. We used to have these matches. The, these were Man, you think it was the nineties or something? Yeah, no kidding, eh? Well, and I I named myself Mayhem because of uh, the Mayhem pay per view that I went to. Yeah, I was obsessed with it <laughs> at the time. But I I used to live beside this giant forest, and you know it had a bunch of trails through it, and probably take you about twenty minutes to walk to the trails and come back. And we used to have these matches called Mother Nature matches, which I don't know. There's no real rhyme or reason to it. We just really go in the forest and 
wrestle all the way up the path and all the way back and then we just kind of made up a winner on the fly of whoever got to the uh, my front door first all right i'm pitching this to uh to ben ortman's for at uh at crossbody please book brother earth in, an, in, a, in a mother nature match we had some barn burner buddy we got intense in there man those those sticks and branches and trees they didn't have a lot of give to them back in the day and we were young and stupid we went to it but we used to fight all the time. We used to wrestle all the time. Uh, we used yeah. to we used to do we used to do festivus at school every year. We would you know one year I brought a turkey into school. We had a festivus meal. We'd always do the feats of strength. It was big time looked upon. Like yeah, we just always backyard wrestled either way. So um, that was that was my thing too, man. I did it for years. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and Wilson has recently started doing a little bit of training. He uh, he did a seminar with. Uh, uh, with Wild Boar and with um, Eddie Dennis from NXT UK fame. He also did mm-hmm. a seminar with Josh Alexander, and he's been going up to Santino's gym and doing a little bit of training. And uh, I got a phone call. I got a I got a message from Wilson on Thursday night, and I, or I guess it would have been Wednesday night. And I checked it on Thursday morning, and it just said, "Hey, what are you doing on Friday?" And I was like, "Oh, I got a lot of shit going on. We're painting my fence in my backyard. Like, I got a pretty full weekend. My mother-in-law's coming up." I go, "Why? What's up?" He goes, "I'm gonna have my first ever wrestling match," and I'm like, "I'll be there." Yeah, and I was. How did you know it? Yeah, of course he, you were. So I jumped in the car, I drove to Beaverton, and I watched Wilson participate in in a battle royal. And you know what? I'm gonna tell you something. He did a fucking great job, and I'm so fucking he, proud he, of him. I, the minute you told, you called me on your way home to tell me about it. As soon as I got off the phone with you, I texted him and told him how fucking proud I am of him. And, you know, he was very modest. He's like, yeah, it was only four minutes and we kind of bought the spot. I'm like, I don't give a shit, man. Yeah, but you would have never that, known. That, I don't care if it was only four minutes. That's your first four minutes. Yeah. Your first four minutes of, God knows, the, the rest of the minutes, that's up to you, brother. Well, and that's I can you and I, you know I can pretty much put this on record that Wilson lasted longer in the battle royal than he does in the bedroom. So uh... <laughs> the disgusting thing is, is I don't want to ask how you know that because I know there's a story there. Uh, actually, no, I don't. Well, <laughs> I mean, there is the mud story, but there's that's all, different. There, there's I can't always a story with both of them. I can't tell I can't tell the mud story on air, but I'll tell you off air. And uh maybe if somebody wants to message me and maybe I'll tell them off air too. But we we got we we gotta make a side podcast just called Six Shit with Wilson. Oh man. It's just it's just Wilson telling stories about his life. I literally nobody has stories like Wilson. We could we could like I know that we're we're not too far off from our three hundredth episode. We're only a couple months away from that, or you know, a few months away from that. Uh, We could probably fill three hundred episodes of just amazing Wilson stories. But yeah, he my my buddies my buddies back home always like they laugh at me because I have I have a lot of ridiculous wild stories from especially back in the day, right? Mine, mine are tame as fuck with the shit I hear about the stray cat Wilson. Oh my god. He is like a stray cat. He's got a lot of wander and he always finds his way back home, but he's got a hell of a story to come with it. And uh Vic, I can I can definitely vouch for that one firsthand. I'm more than one occasion. Very much like high Tyler. No, oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> well, listen, I can I can fuck with drunk Tyler all day long. High Tyler disappears, they have to find him before he spends five hundred dollars on a turnbuckle. 
Hey, thank you for not letting me do that. That was a big scare for me. Um, but anyways, going back to Wilson. Wilson's just been, he's been such a great part of, you know, like you said, he's been up in Barry with us since uh, show two. He's a huge part of doing the ring crew every show. Uh, he's just, he's done it the right way. He's earned his respect by his. And yes, and yes, his name is, is Wilson, but he's much better known over there uh, by a different name. Um, he's known as Mike. Oh, yes. Uh, a couple of the boys thought he was new for a while when you disappeared. Several people. He thought <laughs> he was a Mike and Mike and Tyler. Uh, and uh, God, God, God bless her, a friend of ours, one of the production people, Chrissy. She uh, she, she was swearing to people. She goes, no, I know Mike. I know Mike's from back home. I know him very well. Chrissy's a Kirk and White girl. She goes, I, I know Mike. Mike? That's not Mike. It's like and Mike is... Mike is not that good looking. <laughs> they go, Mike does not have a 10 pound hammer. They, <laughs> Around. They go, they go, okay, well, if that's not Mike, who is it? And she's like, uh, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> nah, so when, I I made, when, I made, when I made my return, she walked right up and she goes, okay. She put, she goes, I know who you are. Points at Wilson. Who the fuck are you? <laughs> great. No, Wilson's been great. He holds down the counted out table every month for us when I'm doing the ring announcing and the shows that you can't be there. Uh, he's just the MVP of everything. He's the MVP of my world. I love him to death. I couldn't be prouder of him. I do have footage of it. I'm just trying to get approval to release it. I'm not sure if I'm able to or not yet. Um, yeah. But as soon as uh, I... Santino's a friend of the sh- a friend of the show. I'm well, sure it's not Santino; it's somebody else that I, I'm dealing with. But the show was great. I hung out with Chops there. Our friend George McKay was there doing commentary as well. Um, eh, fr- friend, friend. Well, he's your friend. <laughs> love, love you, Joe. I never know your name. I just called him Joe. Love you, Joe. Uh, that's right. He doesn't listen, anyways. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, that was that was a fun little excursion. And I'm super proud of you, Wilson. I love you, buddy. Well, um, I I love the fact that the most of most wrestling that we can talk about right now is all indie leagues. I'm absolutely loving that right now. Well, let's talk about <laughs> kind of some sad news, right? Yeah. Um, man, when I woke up this morning, I said, all right, what the fuck are we going to talk about on the show today? Because I really had nothing. I didn't have a whole lot. Uh, I had a little rant about CM Punk. I might go on, and that was about it. Then I thought, I looked at the calendar and I thought it was July 31st and said, shit, today's the anniversary of the death of Roddy Piper, my all-time favorite wrestler. So I so said, maybe I'll talk about Roddy a bit, who knows? And then the hits started coming. Um, started off with the announcement that Adrian Street had passed away, which we'll talk about in just a minute. And then maybe an hour later, I had texted you about Adrian Street. Uh-huh. And then an hour later, you texted me about Pee Wee Herman, Paul Rubens. Yeah, uh, that one hurt. That, that, that's two major hits in the same morning, man. Yeah, Pee Wee. Let's, let's start with Pee Wee because, like, you know, anyone that's our age group, you know, I'm born in 84. You're born in 71, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, you're, you're what, 82? 81. 81. 81? That's close. Yeah. Uh, anyone in our time period like we grew up with peewee he was like our childhood entertainment you know the word of the day peewee's playhouse like 
He was just wild and wacky well, shit. Well, what, what, one of the first Tim Burton movies I probably ever watched is Pee-wee's, it was uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Yeah, great movie. Uh, is that the one with the bike? You know, yeah. I would, uh, and, I would like to go back and watch Pee-wee's Playhouse and let High Tyler come out for that. Oh fuck, man! You I don't know if I can handle I, that. I've, I've, no, I've watched, I've watched them. I've rewatched some episodes. I don't know. Like we must have been high as kids watching it because holy fuck, man! Well, I mean, High um, Tyler thought that Johnny Swinger was the second coming of Shawn Michaels. So, like, who knows what he'd think about <laughs> about Pee-wee's Playhouse? Um, Paul Rubens also was. Uh, you know he played the penguin's father twice. I did not know that. So in the beginning of Batman's uh, Returns, yeah, back in '92, um, he or '91, whatever it was, he plays the Penguin's father and and you know looks at his disgusting little child and you know fucking gets rid of it. Right? I didn't know that. Yeah, that was Paul Rubens. Later on, like so, like. 20 whatever years later they do that show gotham great show and guess who played penguin's father that makes sense paul, paul rubin did you ever watch gotham so that, oh yeah i uh, love gotham show. it was a great show it's an amazing show um other movies that i really enjoyed with him uh, what was that movie i can't think of the name now um the movie with that ben stiller did with all the superheroes mystery man yeah yeah. Well, that was kind that of was his good. comeback, right? Yeah, because he had to he had much. to disappear yeah, a little bit. He he disappeared after a little bit of controversy. <laughs> Pee wee with his right. Pee wee, yeah, yeah. We all but, made those yeah. jokes as a kid. Yeah, but he bounced back. He had a great uh, end of his career. Well, he um, did some WWE appearances. He guest hosted Monday Night Raw. Stuff. Yeah. yeah, and he had a cameo at WrestleMania did. with The Rock. He, he ties into wrestling big time. Oh yeah, and. uh also, uh, Lita's favorite movie is Pee Wee's Big Playhouse or whatever. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, she's a huge Pee Wee Human fan. Uh, RJ City was a big Pee Wee Herman guy as well. That makes sense. If anybody follows uh, our good friend, uh, I counted out, Sin Bodhi, if you follow him on any of the socials, you see that today was a bit of a, a rough day for him because both Pee Wee Herman and Adrian Street were both big inspirations on his character development. Well, let's, and let's you can really you can really see that too. Let's transition into Adrian Street a little bit because I don't think that he has looked back. Uh, you know, the last couple of years he started to get that respect, but he's a because that that, that documentary that came out a couple of years ago really put some shine on him, which is yeah, great. Yeah, that the WWE did, which was fantastic. Highly recommend checking that out if you have not seen it. Which is funny they put that out because he didn't do a whole lot of time with the with the WWE. He didn't do any WF. No, I didn't think so. Okay. No. He he, uh, he appeared right. at Clash of the Castle last year. Did he really? Yeah, he was in the crowd. They showed him on oh, screen. No and then I think no, they showed cool. him on like an NXT like pay-per-view before. That, but that makes that makes sense because he's from Wales. So yeah. that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But Adrian, um, man, he uh he had a hell of a career. Goddamn right he did. He he was a he was a trendsetter, he was a maverick, he was uh, a trailblazer. Well, before there was Adrian Adonis, there was Adrian Street. A hundred percent. I don't. You don't get the Adrian Adonis. You don't get the gold dust. You don't get uh, these styles of characters without the benchmark, without the, without the watermark, and that's Adrian Street. Yeah, uh, uh, you know. Adrian, Adrian was doing these things long before anybody else. Uh, I just want to pull up a fact here that I had and I forgot. Um. 
Adrian and and his wife was was it Miss Linda? Miss Linda, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, that's what I was going with there. You mentioned Goldust. Well, Goldust and Marlena, a direct playoff of Adrian and Miss Linda, right? Hundred percent. Rico and Miss yeah. Jackie. They called her Miss Jackie because of Miss Linda. Because of Miss Linda, I never put that together, but it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, Adrian, I was doing some reading. Uh, John Pollock on Post Wrestling put up a great piece on Adrian's career today. And I learned a lot of mm-hmm. things that I didn't know about Adrian. Uh, he His first big break in North America came with Stampede Wrestling. I did know that. Where, I, uh, I read that, yeah. I was listening to uh, an interview that he did last year, and he wasn't a big fan of Stu Hart. Thought that no. Stu was a bully and kind of a grouch and took advantage mm-hmm. of people. So he didn't enjoy his time there. But then he went over and... He did work everywhere. He had big programs in Memphis with uh, Jerry Lawler, with Bill mm-hmm. Dundee, and with the Macho Man uh, before Macho Man jumped to the WWF, which I did not know either. That's right. And, uh, of course, he did big business with Dusty Rhodes. Hi. I read a cool little tidbit today that I don't know if you know. Um, I, I just This is kind of cool. Did you know that he designed and created Dude Loves Ring Attire? I did not know Lord that. For McFoley, yeah. No kidding. I did not know yeah. that. I thought that was really cool. I mean, everything he did was really cool. Like, he was that guy that, you know, he was a badass. Like, he was the shoot, shoot tough guy. 100%. That, you know, as you know, you, you can talk about how he did that, you know, flamboyant, androgynous character. That doesn't mean he couldn't kick your fucking ass. He was a tough motherfucker in the ring. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and I'm sure because of the era that he was in, he was probably a tough motherfucker out of the ring as well. I believe, um, I also believe that he was the first person to ever be managed by Jim Cornette. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Him and Miss really Linda, because cool. Cornette, they, they would do uh, handicap matches in Memphis. Hmm. And I believe going back that, yeah. To, going back to Miss Linda for a second, this is kind of cool. They So they, they, they were, you know, a real life boyfriend and girlfriend for years. Like even when he, he they were the valet, whatever, and this is going back to the seventies, right? Yeah, they met and, in the seventies. Yeah, they're going. They were together forever. It wasn't until two thousand and five that Adrian finally proposed. Now, do you know where it happened? I do know where it happened. At the Cauliflower Alley Club. I thought yeah. that. I was like, how fitting is that? They had a surprise wedding. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. Another another trailblazing moment there. But yeah, big mm. big programs with Dusty Rhodes. Uh, he went to Mid-South and worked with Terry Taylor a lot. To Georgian mm. with the Boogie Woogie Man. Like, he drew money everywhere he went. Yeah, um, an absolute legend. It's always sad when we lose a wrestler, but I'm not going to call this one a tragedy. He lived to the, the age of 82, and he lived so fucking big. Mm. He lived a great life. He should be proud of everything he did in both professional wrestling and his shoot life. Um, and you know what? 82 is nothing to sneeze at. I, I, if I lived 82, I'll be happy. Yeah. You know? I'm just happy he got so, his recognition before he passed away, too. 1,000%. Um, the fact that it kind of came out, and I didn't know about the Cash Castle thing, but the fact that he was there and that documentary came out, that means like there are there are younger fans that are getting to know him too, and I love that. Yeah, you know, and like just coming off like watching Dark Side of the Ring last week, like you know, without like we said earlier, without Adrian Street, that Adrian Degonis gimmick, like that was a complete ripoff. Vince ripped it off. 
1,000%. Did you know Vince offered him to come work for the WWE at one point? I, I, I didn't know, but I'm not surprised. He turned it down. They wanted him to do like a racist, like skinhead gimmick. Oh. And he was just like, yeah, I don't believe in that. I'm not doing it. No. And, and he never went to WWE. Yeah. yeah. Probably for the best. Yeah. I mean, that's not really the character you want to portray. No. Let's uh let's move on to talk about the reason for the season. Every year, I try my best to try to get some uh, a good uh, SummerSlam list going when we get into August. Um, I'll probably still come up with the SummerSlam list before the end of the month, but my SummerSlam list didn't quite come together. I just started watching SummerSlam matches that I really like, and I noticed something that that keeps happening at SummerSlam. SummerSlam is the home of the cage match, baby. There's been a lot of cage matches. See, that could have been your list. Has there been seven cage matches? I don't know if there's been seven of them. I don't think so. That could have been your list. But let me tell you something. We're going to be talking about some SummerSlams today because I am doing my top seven matches that happened in old blue. Um, Infamous blue cage that we're going to, I'm going to get right into talking. I'm going to talk about the history of blue cage before the list and uh, the background of it and, uh, and some facts. But um, I chose, instead of, like, like, cage matches, that's too broad of a list. If I was to do, oh, my top seven cage matches, Impossible. that's a huge fucking, uh, that is a massive undertaking. Uh, and then you really got to break it down. What's a cage match? You know, is it this simple set of rules? Because the rules of the cage matches change here and there. Is it, uh, you know, hell in the cell? Is that a cage match? Because if it's not, does the old Bill Watts cage count when it had the roof on it? There's too many variables. So I broke it down, and I'm only doing the big barred blue cages that, uh, that debuted in 1986. I'm going all the way to, to uh, the end of it in 2000. I am including the black, qua- the black cage, and I'll explain why I'm including the black cage when I do my, uh, my background information on, on the cage. But before we get into into my big blue conversation and my list and everything, is there anything else you want to talk about, brother? I do. This list is mm-hmm. brought to you by Rock Solid Wrestling's Punches, Pile Drivers, and Pinfalls, presented on August the 19th. Love it. All right, let's talk about Big Blue. Uh, that is the endearing nickname given to that cage by the boys who work it. Um, they hated that remember- cage. I remember hearing that on uh, on the Pritchard show. They call it, they all call it Big Blue, and you're 100 percent right. There's not a wrestler live that likes working in that cage. Did you ever get to see no... a Big Blue match live? Never, never. Did you? I saw one. Okay. Weird I've one. Seen a, I've seen a few cage matches in my day, but never Big Blue. Weird one. I saw at a house show that they and this must have been the last time I think that they ever brought this cage out. If I because I haven't seen it since they they did Shane, Shane McMahon versus Kane when they were doing their feud oh three oh four somewhere in there okay then yeah because the last televised cage match with the big with the old black cage rebellion right is two thousand yeah Edge, Edge and Christian yeah that that was all one a... that was all one no no two thousand no I just. Did my fucking what? Yeah, but the invasion angle happened in 2001, and that's when that match happened. Because Edge and Christian were tag champions in 2000. All right. 
Um, yes, 2001 was the last one at Rebellion. Okay. That was the last televised one. So if you yes. thought in 03, they just pulled that out for the shits and giggles because uh, by then they had already, because in, um, in 2000, late 99, early 2000, they had already started to slowly transition to the mesh caging end. Mm-hmm. They were doing back, they were, they were kind of going back and forth, which is what they did originally. Um, I got to, I, I watched a great little mini documentary on the blue cage. I got to learn some stuff. So, as everybody knows, the big blue cage um, debuted in 1986 at WrestleMania 2. Um, the reason being, uh, from a kayfabe standpoint, was they needed a bigger structure to hold in that giant King Kong Bundy. Yeah. Um, also, King Kong Bundy ain't fucking climbing over that mesh, man. <laughs> nope. It's just not happening, right? Fuck, even Hogan so, at that point was over 300 pounds of muscle, man. Yeah. That mesh might well, not have held that. Yeah, exactly. So they needed something different. So they created this, this, this fortified thick blue steel that gave nothing. Nothing. Pritchard says that the only structure ever made that was worse than that was the original Elimination Chamber. That's what I thought you were going to say. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it didn't take over right away. They would have that match and then, you know, um, there was a, a a mesh cage match a few months later and then a mesh cage match a few months later and then the blue cage came out again and and then, you know, they're in there. Um from 1986 to 2000, to get know there's only 25 televised cage, uh, blue cage matches. That sounds about right. I believe that. Yeah, there's only uh, now. There's a lot of dark matches that don't qualify for my list because I could not find the footage, <coughs> and there's a lot of and there's a lot of house show matches for the same purpose. If you were to house show or, or a dark match, I could if I if I couldn't watch it, I can't put you on the list. Simple as that. That's fair. Did you know this too? And it's so funny to think about wrestling fans. Everybody thinks that wrestling fans have changed. Wrestling fans haven't changed. They 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 were pieces of shit. They're pieces of shit now. They were pieces of shit forty years ago. Fair. You know now everything is like oh, wrestling's so fucking garbage now. It was way better in the Attitude Era, and they're changing things, and that shouldn't be, and this shouldn't be. Well, how do you think that Big Blue Cage was recepted by fans when it got brought in? Not right. I don't think it ever got. Fans, fans hated. Well, yeah, but now it's romanticized. Now fans of the '90s. I look back and I love the Big Blue. I love Big Blue. That's because that's my childhood. I think people it looks age, really cool. People, people our age will look back and go, oh, "I love the Big Blue Cage." But when it first came out, fans were going, "Oh, that's not a cage match. That's bullshit." NWA fans, especially, shit wow. all over WWE. You know. That was but the original the, AEW uh, versus WWE shit, you know? Yeah, I mean, and that's a big difference. Like, the NWA especially, was they presented cage matches a lot more seriously than WWF did, right? Like, 100%. cage matches in the NWA, they never had escape from the cage. That was all well, a WWF here, thing. And this is this is my next, uh, next thing I want to talk about. The Big Blue was the only cage that was exclusively escape only. Okay. When WWE went back to mesh cages in the in the uh, early 2000s, they started uh, incorporating pinfalls again. Yeah, I guess you're right about now, that. I never really think about now, that. Now, you and I kind of differ on this because I know that you're not a big fan of Escape Only. But let me 
let me talk about this for a second and say why I like it. I like it even more knowing that it was almost exclusively to this blue cage because it just makes it different. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's a different match altogether now for me. Um, and also, the I like your take on it because you're like, listen, a cage match should be keep those motherfuckers in, don't let them out, and do your shit in the ring. Where the blue cage is like, okay, you, you guys do that over over there but we're going to do this thing where we're going to beat the fuck out of each other so bad that somebody's going to have to fucking try to get it it was just well, a different story I, I, the I psychology there is two good different st- exactly perfect word it's two different stories being told two different sets of psychology and i like that like there is the psychology in regards of um like in that type of a cage match you can't win until you beat your opponent so bad that they can't stop you from leaving the cage you know, and I don't think a lot of people look at it that way. But for me, I, I just personally like the idea. And it also does add a, a different dramatic to cage matches that, and, yeah. and you know, Brett and Owen, I'm sure that it'll be on your list at somewhere at some point. But Brett and Owen at SummerSlam 94 is a great example of that. They built that entire match around constantly trying to escape and it builds your crowd up. It's a, it's a great spot. My, it's a great suspense spot. Like, whereas the NWA... You know, you look at like Talia Magnum, like the NWA was violent. Yeah. You're going in a cage match because this is a blood feud and it needs to end with violence. So, you yeah. know, I can respect both levels of psychology. I prefer the NWA one better, but doesn't mean that I hate on Big Blue either. If my list was pure, pure cage matches, my criteria may be a little bit differently, mm-hmm. maybe a bit different. I may look more at the violent aspect, I may look more at the, the you know, the actual wrestling performance. With my big blue list, I'm looking more at the psychology, the drama, and the story. Well, there was That's what of, I want to Never a lot of blood that... in big blues. Never a lot of blood in the well, big blue look, matches. Look, look at the era, though. They weren't doing blood from 86 to 99. Well, in the 80s, they were. They, they stopped doing blood in the mid-90s. Was there a ton of blood from '86 to '90? Like not a whole lot. No, the WWE was never. Well, no. they did in the yeah. '80s up until probably ninety, nineteen ninety-one, maybe is when they kind of stopped doing oh. blade jobs. From '86 to two thousand, from '86 to to '90, uh, there's not a whole lot of big blue matches, anyways. Yeah. They were used very sparsely. It's not like '90. It's not like the end of the era where you know every second match is a fucking. Cage I watched Al TV. Snow and Jeff yeah. Hardy have a cage match for no reason on Monday Night Raw in 1999. And that, and that's another part of my criteria is the story of it. I want these fuckers in the cage for a reason. All okay, right? that could change the way I look at your list then. If that's part that's of your criteria. Thing. There's only one match on here that I may have to really justify because it might go against that criteria. But all other six matches, they're in that, they're in that match to settle shit and that's what i that's what i want um my last my last little uh note here before we get into uh into the list we're going back to, to talk about the escape only clause did you know that that used to be a thing in the territories here and there like there was different territories that you do the, the uh, escape only but Vince senior brought it in for one reason and one reason only do you know what that reason was I don't to protect bruno Okay. He didn't want he didn't want Bruno getting pinned in pinned in cage matches. 
I don't think Bruno lost so, many cage matches. I don't think so either. But I think maybe he made that rule just in case he ever had to book Bruno to lose. Or or maybe there was a thing where I have to have Bruno win, but he's up against, let's say, Roddy Piper, and Roddy Piper won't get pinned. So I have to make Bruno climb. Yeah. You know, so he he did it he he did it basically to 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 make sure that Bruno got over properly. Yeah. Well, what do you all think? right, man. You want to hit Any, us with the old number seven? No, I, th- I think I'm ready to roll on this. I'm ready to hear the old number seven. Yeah, yeah my number seven is the cage matches theme music. Remember you used to do the fucking spotlight as it was coming down and. They would make it all ominous and shit. Did they do that for cages or just for the for the hell in the cell? Uh they remember. do for cages as well. Yeah. And also for backstage right. walking. Same music. <laughs> right. So my number seven, I'm gonna I'm gonna find out say this. You're gonna hate my six and seven, then I don't give a shit. Um you'll love my one through five. You're you're gonna give me shit for six seven. I really don't care. But my number seven changed six seven times before we got on air as you know it's the curse of the number seven the funny thing is they both have one thing in common my my the the two matches that were going back and forth either way the match we were talking about finished with a guy coming up from under the ring my number seven was almost in your house six brett versus diesel but it got edged out for St. Valentine's Day Massacre, Steve Austin versus Vince McMahon. I am surprised that this is your number seven and not like in the top four, three. Okay, do you want to know what kept it out? Yeah. That match is 20 minutes long. They spent six of them in the skin steel cage. Doesn't matter. It does to me. That it's match. match. It's a fucking cage match. You you beat each you beat each other up around the ring for 11 minutes before he even rang the fucking bell. Uh, I obviously I love it enough for it to make the list, but it couldn't it couldn't get any higher because of the lack of time in the actual cage. I mean that that match gets put in my top probably four or five just based on Vince's bump alone. <laughs> right. But I just I love um, that I love this match. Like I have great memories of this match. Vince's... Is that the match where he, that's that's the bump where he broke his tailbone, right? Yeah, his collarbone or yeah. whatever. Yeah, he, he fucked well, it was, himself. It was, up. it was it was it was his ass bone. Yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah. he because yeah, uh... he, he fell ass first on the table. Yeah, yeah, and he took that huge bump off the top of the cage to the table, which was insane. Massive whiplash, broke his tailbone, like you said. I like mm. the I like the psychology of that match. Of Steve Austin just had fun. He whooped Listen. Vince's ass from pillar to post, and then he would like start to leave the cage. And what would Vince do? He'd flip on the bird, and Austin yeah. be like, "Oh, I'm coming back now. <laughs> Whoop your ass a little more." And then you know you get the debut of the Big Show, and I really like the finish too because it was just like, yeah, you know, Big Show Me threw too. him through the cage, so put over Big Show as being this beast, gave Austin yeah. a win, and you know Vince was like, "What the fuck?" Like it, it, it was perfectly booked. The look on Steve Austin's face was he hit, hit the ground was was priceless. Oh yeah, it was a mix. It was a mix of holy fuck I won and holy fuck I just got manhandled by a fucking monster. He took a hard uh, fall off the perfect. floor because that cage was swinging. He had to like drop down yeah. and stuff. Yeah, uh, 
No, uh, I, I don't hate this being on your list at all. I'm surprised at the I, placement of it, but... See, I thought you were going to give me shit for the same reason I was giving myself shit, because of the lack of the time in the ring. I don't give um, a shit if they're in the ring for if, 30 seconds or 30 minutes. That was a okay, great match. Well, if they were in the ring longer, this probably would have been like my number three. I'm I don't think it would have been. I so, think if they were in the so, ring longer, it would have made the match worse. Because it's Vince. So every, yeah, but again, you know me. I'm more into storytelling than wrestler and, and wrestling. And nobody could tell a story like Vince, man. Yeah, that's so, why this match is great. Yeah. They told a great story. Whether or not they were in exa- the cage exa- or not, great story. Exa- yes, but, but, but this is about cage matches. So no, it's still a cage if match. You, if, so instead of you ever giving me, sh- when, when you go on the list and you're like, well, that was a good match, but Vincent and uh, Austin should be ahead of it. That's why it's my number seven. It's the only reason it's my number seven. We'll see if it's more memorable than all the, any of the other ones you mentioned. Because I didn't rewatch any matches leading up to this list because you told me about it this morning and I did not have any time to watch it. So let's just see what triggers my memories. What's what we're going with today, memories? My number six. Um, again, while it's not a bad match by any means, it's not also not a great match. But the story being told is so important to the era, uh, to the things going around during the time. And it's a phenomenally fun match, storyline-wise. If you haven't seen it in a long time, you have to go back. We're going back to March of 1997 on an edition of, of, of Rise War, where Bret Hart takes on, uh, uh, Bret Hart defenses championship, I should say, against Psycho Sid. Was Bret the champion here? No, Sid was the champion yeah, he, here. No, he wanted he the Sid wins it here. He wanted at the um uh he wanted at the uh fatal four way um pay per view there. You you and got then, the time period right, but you're mixing up matches. Sid No 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 because no because this match is about who's gonna Yeah who, who like who's gonna be champion going into into WrestleMania. Brett won the title at in your house final four. He yeah. lost it the next night to Sid, but it was a normal is, match. Is that the match he lost it? He lost it to Sid in the uh, normal okay, match. Okay, okay, my bad, my bad. And then, okay, okay. and then they got. And then to, the week later, and then a the couple weeks match. later, they did the cage match. And this was mm. one of the first like Raw is wars as well. And yeah, okay. uh, and okay. this is the one with Austin trying to help Brett win and Austin's take her, open Brett and take yourself and Sid they because they both want the title match. Exactly. It's a great story, and then. What's more memorable about the actual match, and I'll be honest about this, is after the match when Brett shows his fucking pure crybaby self, which I love because this is the slow start to that character we're going to see come out after WrestleMania. Yeah, I mean, um, he, he's already and, been talking about just, getting screwed since January, right? So exactly. now in February and coming into March. It's all also, if you really think about it, possibly the genesis of the of the Mr. McMahon character, you know, because because yeah. Brett shoves him down and swears at him, and the look on his face, he goes from being that mild manner commentator we've known our entire childhoods, and you saw that look that look changed on his face. Oh yeah, and that became, that was the first time we saw the face of Mr. McMahon. We just didn't know it yet. Everybody in that goddamn dressing room knows that I'm the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. I love it. Great line. Um, great moment. The, ma- the match itself, um, I mean, Sid, Sid didn't have great matches, uh, but Brett did have a match with the Sid and, and have it look really good. Um, and, uh, I mean, if, 
if I'm if I'm Sid, I'm I'm not I'm afraid of going up. Well, I, I guess he hadn't broken his leg yet. As I say, I wouldn't want to climb that thing if I was Sid, but <laughs> he hadn't broken what, his leg yet, so he didn't know. What was so good about this Brett turn too is that everything he was saying was right. He was getting yeah. screwed every week. He got screwed at the Royal Rumble by Austin. Austin screwed him out of the title the next week. He got mm-hmm. screwed at this match. He got, you know what I mean? Like he wasn't wrong. And it was this fantastic slow build to that heel turn that we're going to see just a just a few weeks later at WrestleMania. Oh, the night and, after uh, WrestleMania when he cut that promo when he's thanking all his fans all over the world. Thank yeah. you to Germany, the United Kingdom for letting me be your hero. Tells America to kiss his ass. Fuck, that's one of the best promos of all time. That's why I say, man, 97 is my favorite year in professional wrestling. It's just, oh, I do love it. I could talk about this all. My original idea was not not even to do a list today. I just wanted to talk about SummerSlam 97 being, I'll never call it the best SummerSlam of all time. I'm not it's that not, dumb. but it's really good. But, but, but it's my favorite SummerSlam of all yeah. time. I mean, I'm really glad that we like. I almost like wa- watched SummerSlam '97 because that's what you told me the list was going to be this week. <laughs> I'm really glad I didn't now because that's hard to find three hours of time to sit down and watch I, a pay per view. That's the funny thing; it wasn't even three hours. That, that was back in the day where you didn't need nine hours for a pay per view. Fucking SummerSlam '97's two hours and thirty minutes. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. Love nice. it. Yeah. Um. Moving on to my number five, uh, our first appearance is the big black cage. And I forgot to mention this in my, in my uh, background information. Did you know that that cage that they, that they built for WrestleMania 2 is the same cage they used for the next 20 years? Yeah, I thought they so. never they, they, they never changed it. There was never, you know, anything. So if you go all the way to, um, uh, I think it's a breakdown pay-per-view in 1998 or something. Seven, six, eight, even yeah. even at even at SummerSlam '97, you can see that the, the the paint is chipping, it's rusting, it looks like shit now because it's the same fucking cage they've always had. They've never changed it. So going into 1999, they're going into the um, into the Attitude Era. They need a bit more edginess. They wanted to make a, this thing needs a fucking paint job, anyways. So they painted it black. Yeah. This is why it still counts on my list because it's the same fucking cage. It just got a paint job. Well, that's also so, the second appearance of Big Black because Vincent Austin was in black. Yes, I'm sorry. What I meant was it's the first. Oh, it is the second appearance on my list. Okay, <laughs> never mind. You're right. You're right. Um, so second appearance of Big Black. On my, I'm not saying Big Black anymore. Easy. Right, uh, my, my number five. We're going to Rebellion of 1999. We're going going all the way to the UK for The Rock versus Triple H. These guys had a couple good cage matches around this time period in the Big Black. I remember they had a really good one on Monday Night Raw as well. I wish I would have watched it because maybe it would have been better than this. This was a good match. I just hate the finish. And that's why it couldn't be any higher than number five. Um, It got too much of a clusterfuck at the end. Listen, Brett and Sid turned into a clusterfuck too, but it made sense. It was like that's what that story was. Uh, they put that 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 cage around Brett and Sean to keep Steve Austin and Undertaker from interfering. That's why they did that story. This story, what the fuck was Bulldog do? Like, I I don't understand anything about the end of this match. Um, Bulldog was feuding with Rock at this time period. 
Yes, he was. I liked the fact at first that, you know, Triple H is trying to try, trying to get out of the uh, um, out of the cage. There's a chair sitting right next to the cage, and he grabs it. And he's trying to pull it in. Oh, Hebner is trying to stop him. Now, number one, fuck off, Hebner. <laughs> cage match, no DQ. It's a cage match. Go go fuck yourself. But yeah, go screw uh, Brett again. You know, tri- Triple H got pissed off. Death Hebner. Now you have no rep. Which, okay, now allows your your rock to get out of the ring, uh, out of the ring, no ref, no win. They can beat the shit of each other all over the place. It allows uh, Bulldog to get in the ring. In the ring, now you have three guys beat the shit of each other in the ring. Um, I love this match up up until this spot. Uh, I like even the beating the shit of each other around. I like that a lot. But now Bulldog's involved. Bulldog's involvement takes me out of it, which is why it's my only my number five. That's fair. That's fair. Um, I don't um, remember anything about this match, so I can't really comment on it. I I remember it being good. I just don't remember yeah. much about it. Um, my number four is the only match on my list that I've never seen before today. And I'm so happy I watched it because, man, it was so good. Obviously good enough to be my number four favorite match on this list. And we're going to start now, finally, talking about SummerSlam. Kind of. We're going to 1993 and the SummerSlam Spectacular, which was, which was a, an on-TV show uh, building up the SummerSlam. And we're doing the Steiners versus Money, Inc. Ah. Have you seen this match? Once a long time ago. Yeah. Go rewatch it. It's good. I, I mean, these really, guys had really super good. underrated matches. The um, the match criteria is you have to both men have to get out of the ring in order to win the match, uh, which is fantastic because it's there's a lot of you know it just it opens a lot of doors for cool spots. You know what I mean? Cool taking stuff. And the very end, you have. Uh, What's his name? Um, Urban Archer trying to trying to get out of the ring, and uh, uh, Rick gets out before him, so he gets on Rick's shoulders. Rick's not letting him off his shoulders, and DiBiase gets out on one side, so DiBiase's already out. But as Urban's trying to get off, uh, as IRS trying to get off the Gremlin's shoulders, they give Scotty enough chance to jump out and get the win. It's fantastic. I love it. It's a, it's a very it. very very fun match. Very clever booking. This is number three? Yeah. I'll have to check this no, one out. Number, this, this is my number four. Okay, good. I was going to say, hold on, we're missing a few here. But yeah, no, I... No, uh, this is my number four. I remember having fond memories of this match, and I, I would really like to go back and rewatch it, actually. It might have inspired me to do that. So I love I loved the Steiner Brothers in the early 90s, and Money, Inc. I, I think they're one of the most... Uh, I think I did label them my number one most underrated or underappreciated uh, in some mm-hmm. kind of list that we did. Uh, yeah, you sure did that at some point. Going to top three, we're sticking with SummerSlam, and we're going to the year that I loved so much. We're going to 1997, and it's Triple H versus Mankind. Yeah, great match. I absolutely fucking love this match. Yeah, I'm with you on this one. This was a fucking banger. This was a great feud, too. Um, I won't lie, when I started this match, I penciled it as my number one right off the bat because I just love it so much. 
knowing full well it wouldn't stay there. <laughs> but I'm like, yep. Nah. This is just it's one of my it's one of my favorite pay-per-views of all time. It's one of my favorite SummerSlam matches of all time. Uh, Triple H was just so fucking good at this time. He was so it's this is funny to say because you'd never think to use this word for Triple H, but he was very underrated in '97. Well, because he just finished getting buried, right? For two exactly, years. yeah. So this story with Mick Foley, you and I have discussed this all the time. How how Mick Foley made Triple H. This is the beginning of that. Yeah, like before before the Cactus Jack the game thing, like years later, it started here. They they've had several great stories together. And this well, was their first great story. This was together. this was their third pay-per-view match, right? Because they did King yeah. of the Ring, then they did Canadian Stampede, which was that wild brawl all over the building, which is why they got booked in the cage match. And then yeah. a couple months later, uh Triple H was also involved in the debut of Cactus Jack. That's right. That's right. And he and in this match here, he teased uh, the debut of um, of Dude Love. That is correct. Except the heart wore off his chest. So you hear that story? No, but you got I me. Mean, you can tell. But yeah, I never heard the story though. So Foley, like the the plan finish was he was gonna rip his shirt open. There's gonna be a big heart that said Dude Love on it, and then he was mm-hmm. gonna do the Superfly Slash because that made sense with the story. And then he was gonna mm-hmm. be Dude Love on his exit out of the ring. And, okay. And. Uh, he he didn't use the right type of marker on his chest. He used just like a oh, normal no. marker. So all the sweat rubbed the whole thing off and it wasn't there. But uh, <laughs> yeah, they still made it work. Absolutely. Um, mankind, Nick Foley has said that the spot where China slams the door on his head is one of the most painful things he's ever endured in the ring. And yeah. that's fucking saying something. This is Nick Foley you're talking about here. I think I gave him a stinger. Well, we discussed earlier how the wrestlers hated this ring because it gave no give. So imagine those steel bars slamming. And China had strength. China, China swinging that door and swinging hard. Oh, big right? time. Oh, I like the place on this one. Good, good. Um, it was almost my number two until, yeah. I, until I rewatched my number two. The match we're about to talk about was originally penciled in for my five or six position because I remember it being good, but I thought it was like a five or six. Then I sat down and I watched it yesterday. Holy fuck. I can't believe how good this match is considering I really don't like 50% of the performers. <laughs> we're going to SummerSlam of 1990 with Rick Rude versus the Ultimate Warrior. I remember this match being good. This is on my list of matches that I really want to rewatch, actually. Way better than I remember. Way better than I remember. Warrior actually had me. Like, I'm not a Warrior fan. You know that. And I wasn't a Warrior fan. But this match, maybe it's maybe it's not Warrior. Maybe just Rude is that good of a fucking heel. And Bobby Heenan is that good of a fucking heel. So when, when, when Ultimate Warrior pulls Bobby into the ring... Like, I, even me, I'm going, get that fucking weasel. You know what I mean? Like, it's so good, man. Um, the dynamic of this story. And these guys, that's the other thing. These guys had a long story. They, they wrestled against each other exactly a year earlier at SummerSlam. That's right. And at WrestleMania and 5. And at WrestleMania 5. And now it's for the world title in a cage. It's a very personal story. Um, the cage is a great blow-up to this. Like, it's a great place to have this happen. Um, a little out of character for Warrior, but I loved it. 
when Warrior, uh, I don't know if you remember the finish to this, but uh, he he hits, uh, he basically dazed um, uh, Rick, and Rick's like kind of dazing around like this. And by the time he turns around and looks, Warrior's already up and over. And as he's coming down, Warrior's face, he looks at me, starts gyrating his hips like Man, that. Man, does the, the Rick Rude and jumps down. down. Fucking amazing. Like, like that's got a little out of character for Warrior, but I loved every second of it. I remember watching this match in the 90s, like when it came out on VHS and thinking that the Ultimate Warrior lost a tooth, but really it was just the way that his paint was hanging off his face. Like that's like a oh. memory I have. Like he had like a white yeah. chip just like dangling. I was like, oh my God, he lost that's, his teeth. As a kid, I was like in kindergarten. That, that's how I felt every time watching uh, Owen Hart wrestle. And then it was always just spit. Yeah. Owen, and then Owen uh, always had that ball of spit. <laughs> I remember the the vignettes leading up to this match. Like they've really changed the way they presented Rick Rude. He he got a lot more serious. They were training yeah. him like a like Rocky Balboa running on the beach, mm-hmm. hitting the boxing bags. Like they're really presenting him as more of a badass compared to like what he was before. Yeah. And so I remember um, that it was really like how, weird because Rude they... hadn't done much leading up to this. And they let him sort of swear too on his promo uh when he got to the ring. Like like the like for nineteen ninety anyways when he when he comes out and instead of calling out them all a bunch of sweat hogs or whatever the fuck it was he used to call them he called them piss ants <laughs> and I'm just like fucking Rick going hard in nineteen ninety <laughs> this this is actually a very underrated SummerSlam nineteen ninety oh ninety ninety is a great SummerSlam I yeah, like very underrated SummerSlam like if you take a look at that whole card the great power and glory rockers angle at the beginning with Sean's knee. You got Perfect and Tornado for the IC title. The Heart Foundation and Demolition, two out of three falls, is one of the best matches in SummerSlam history. That's good. That's a good one. It's it's too late to start working on it now, but maybe next year you and I will do what we did with WrestleMania a couple years ago, and we'll do a weekly uh, top seven uh, list for for SummerSlam. Ooh, yeah, that'd be good. I mean, we could still cram Mm -hmm. it in, but we'd have to fight a lot. Well, you know what? We didn't fight that much for WrestleMania. Speaking, speaking of which, before we go into number one, happy anniversary. For us, that's right. We launched our show three no, years ago this week. By the, no, that's a lie. What? I don't no, know. What we, we launched our show in March. Um, by the time the show airs, it'll be the one-year anniversary of you claiming I have no credibility. And probably oh. the, the, the worst fight in the history of this show. That's a great moment in the, the show. The, For the, the record, I, I did not say I that you had no credibility. I said... You, you, you realize that this is your version of, we were on a break! No, and if you go back and rewatch it, as I have many times, it's a great moment in the show. I don't say that you have no credibility. I said when you say stupid things like that, it makes you lose your credibility. Oh, I hate you so fucking much. <laughs> this is the only time in history I got several messages and text messages from listeners saying fuck man are you guys done <laughs> like is it over we were just laughing about it 20 minutes later uh, yeah exactly <laughs> i think we got off air you're like you fucking really pissed me off today <laughs> well, i mean if you and i did come to blows it wouldn't be the first time the two brothers had to fucking fight it out number which one. brings me to my number one and in SummerSlam of 1994 Two brothers came to blows. 
for the World Wrestling Federation Championship and the Big Blue Steel Cage. And of course, we're talking about Brett versus his baby brother, Owen. I have an unpopular opinion, but this isn't my favorite uh, match of all time. Uh, well, it's not my favorite match of all time, too, either, but it's definitely my favorite match to happen in Big Blue. I'd have to go back and rewatch a couple other ones. I don't oh, know. No. Okay, like, listen. All right, I, all right. Because I, I, I'm going to have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I'm going to have ten honorable mentions for you when this is over. And I want you to fucking tell me how you changed this list. And w- at the very least, you put it on your list, yeah? Yeah, I probably would put it on my number one. But I okay, do think I was gonna say, have we it, it'd be my number one or number two. Over? It'd be my number one or number two. I really do love Vincent Austin. I just think it's a, a powerful <laughs> match. I do. <laughs> I'm serious. I love that match. It, it would make wow. it. I, I would make a case for for Triple H and and Mankind to be my number one as well. I mean, it was close to being my number one as well. But Brett Nolan, uh, it's just about, different. I go back and forth, which is funny because of what you just said about about uh, the other match that you put in. I always go back and forth on what I believe is the greatest story ever told in, in, in wrestling history, uh, especially WWF history. And it's either it's either Austin McMahon or it's, or it's uh, Bretton Owen. Uh, those are my two favorite stories ever told. So it's funny that those are the two matches we're contesting here. Yeah. I mean, but I, that's the reason it's my number one. That story is so good. I just feel like it, it, this match is very... Um... Like the whole match is just them trying to run out of the cage. The entire match, as uh, from what I remember about it, at least I haven't watched in a few years. I like this match uh, when I'm in the right when I'm in the right mood for it. When I'm in the right mood for it, well, I know I just like I I thought there was going to be a little bit more hatred. Like I I think the intensity should have been a little higher than run away, run away. Like almost being chicken shit. Always being a chicken shit, and Brett doesn't want to hurt his baby brother. So it makes sense to why they're doing that. Now, with that said, the hatred should have came a little later on for the next couple matches. They just never fucking happened. This shouldn't have been the blow-off as far as I'm concerned. Also, if you're going to ask me, and this isn't, this, I don't know if this is an unpopular opinion or not. You can tell me. I think the wrong man won this uh, that night. Think they should put all I think they I think you put the title on Owen for a short period of time. I mean, you could have just and, had Owen job to Diesel. And have the WrestleMania 11 main event be Brett getting his title back. I, I mean, if you take a look at it in hindsight, it makes more sense. At least, at the very least, have these guys fight on the undercard. Because I do think I do think that they were going to put the belt on Diesel no matter what. And I think at that time, yeah. it was the right call. Diesel was showing a lot of promise. Hindsight, of course, being twenty twenty, but yeah, I, I mean, if you if you rebook that card and you keep Sean and Diesel for the world title and put Brett Nolan on the undercard, like that WrestleMania is already a hundred times. Better. I would I would have liked to seen a a five show a five match um, series between Owen and Brett and have Brett get the three over two uh, three to two. Um, I would have liked to seen Owen win the cage match. Brett get a title match at whatever show, lose during lose via disqualification or Cali or something. Three matches though. Or no, sorry, Owen losing via the disqualification to keep the title. Yeah. Then again, Owen wins again, and then WrestleMania happens where Brett where Brett beats him. Yeah. 
That's I mean, what I would have liked to see. That's I'd be cool. okay with that. There are um, a couple. Uh, there, there's one big match show that I'm surprised isn't on your list. Okay, I got I got a bunch of honorable mentions that I can play. I can justify almost every single one of them why they didn't make the list. There might be a couple on here that I'm like, yeah, maybe, but let's uh, let's talk about them. What do you got? I don't think that you have the most memorable moment in Big Blue on your list. WrestleMania two. No, Hogan. No good. Hogan and Mister Wonderful. Okay, it's it's on my honorable mentions. It was a great match for drama. The match sucks. Yeah, but I when mean, the you watch this match, this match is garbage. I mean, I it, the it, it is probably the most famous moment in Big Blue history, though. Does that yeah, not warrant sure. a number seven spot? No, not 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 against the seven matches I put. I would keep Vince on. What was your number six again? Uh, Bretton Sid. Yeah, I might bump that one for this one. I don't know. I don't know, man. Breakdown really match lately. From a dramatic from a dramatic standpoint, yes, you're right. But nah. I, I just think that's like a, a historical moment. If you're talking about Big Blue, that deserves a tip. What about Breakdown? I, I remember that match being really good, the triple threat. Uh, that was uh, Shamrock, Rock, and and Foley. Foley, yeah. Um, I kind of, I won't lie to you, man. I I fell asleep during it. Now, is that because of what time you put it on, or because the match sucked? Yes. The match sucked. <laughs> no, <laughs> what time little, you put little, it on? Little, little from column A, little from column B. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Um. It it was never. It was never going to make the list. What about Hogan um, and Boss Man? They had a couple good ones okay. in the cage. Hogan. Hogan and Bossman, um, I don't remember them of a couple, but when I watched this from Saturday night's main event. Ah, okay, that's why. And and it was okay. Why? They had the debut of Zeus. I also have the No Holds Bard special match between <laughs> Hogan and Zeus. Hey, that mentions. promo that Sherry cuts before, though. Let's go to uh, Saturday night's main event, and we're going to hit Randy Savage versus the Honky Tonk Man. I don't remember much. I, I've never seen this match before. I didn't know they had it. It's a good one. We're going to the Coliseum uh, home video WrestleFest with Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant. Okay, this one was fun. Yeah, it's a really fun match. Um, I got two matches for you right now. On paper, you'd say, why the fuck aren't those on the list? And they, they just aren't. I, I have no reason for it. But on paper, you're like, these are list-worthy matches. They both come from uh, superstars, I believe, both in 1995. One is Brett versus Shawn Michaels. That might be 1994, actually. I'm not 100% yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. And the other one is Brett versus uh, Hakushi. Okay. Yeah. Did both you, really did you um, watch the Brett versus Yoko Cage match? Yes. Not great. No. Not great. And my very last honorable mention is uh, is Rebellion, as you corrected me, 2001, with Edge versus Christian. I remember being left down by this match. Yeah, I expected a lot from it, and I did not get my expectations. The finish was far too reminiscent to 1994. I don't know if it was just an homage or what, but it, it just came off as a ripoff, and it wasn't great. Yeah. Uh, do you have any? Do you have any that maybe I missed? 
Uh, I can't remember if it's on YouTube or not, but Piper and Rude at Madison Square Garden had a good one. Wow, I, I, I don't, was that, yeah? Okay, I, I don't just, even have that on my watch list. Wow, okay, I don't, I didn't It was from I 89, did. it was from 1989. Hmm. Um, Hogan and Bossman, I know we kind of talked about before our technical issues came out. They had a really good uh, Madison Square Garden one, not so much Saturday Night Live main event one. Um, and yeah, I, I just uh, I, I'd have to go back. Oh, what about Hogan and Bundy? That that is an honorable mention just because it's the first one. It's not a great match. I mean, it's no. funny that's uh, rated number one in a couple of lists that I was looking at. That's why we're the professionals, and they're not. <laughs> yeah, I don't know whoever would rank that as number one. Anything. Like, that's not even a top 100 favorite WrestleMania match for me. It'd be, like, number one worst WrestleMania main events of all time. Man. Yep. Be up there. That's that's a tough list, but that's, ooh, that might be a list. That could be a list. I'll do a SummerSlam list next week. Yeah, I, I'd be excited for a SummerSlam list. I, I, um, I have no idea what WWE's doing with SummerSlam this year. I'm not watching WWE right now. Um, but Hard looks really I'm, good. But SummerSlam uh, always gets me excited. Uh, it is Summer's WrestleMania, so uh, but I like it for the show purposes because it gives us reason to talk about SummerSlam. Um, so let's and that's why I did this cage match list because look at that. We had three SummerSlam like on my number seven, my 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 top seven, my top three were all SummerSlam matches, and my number four was from SummerSlam Spectacular. So <laughs> yeah, that tells you something about SummerSlam. Yeah, I think there's a theme there. I'm going to do a fun SummerSlam list next week, or a mediocre one. I don't know. But I'm going to do a SummerSlam list. Who's, um, when I when I mentioned the Big Blue Cage, who's the wrestler you think of first? Brett? No, Hogan. Hogan. Yeah. Okay. I think for me it's Brett just because, like, in that era, he used to, like, push home all the time his record in, in cage matches because he had a really good record in cage matches. And, and, and he talked about it every single time he could. So I think that just is it's ingrained in my brain. And I just picture Hogan standing on top ripping the shirt. Oh, it's old brother. Um another thing I want to mention about the big the big blue cage before we uh, we say goodbye is it did I can't remember the name of it now, which sucks, but I remember having it as a kid. It did influence one of my favorite video games as a child. Do you remember that cage match Nintendo game? Uh, the yeah, the the one that was on like Sega Saturn or something. Yes. Oh no, it was on Saturn. It was on Genesis, I think. No, not the I, cage match one. Well, I never owned a Gen a Saturn, so I, I there might have been there was a game called Steel Cage Match, mm-hmm. but I there was cage matches on like, the Sega. I don't know. I don't know why I thought it uh, it was for the uh, uh for the Genesis because I had a Genesis. I didn't have a Saturn. There so. was cage match option in those. Yeah, like the yeah, raw yeah. stuff. But yeah, yeah. There was but actually even, uh, a game called Steel Cage Match. Yeah, I, I just I thought that was really cool, and, and the big and Big Blue made its big uh, its big appearance in the video game. Was, yeah, I like was, those those games are sick. All right, uh, so we got SummerSlam. We got uh, the fact that we are making our live debut on September 9th 
in uh, uh, in Barrie, and we'll hit you with all the details for that coming up in the next few weeks. Um, listen to me. I mean this. If you want to see us live, even if you've never been to a Barrie wrestling show, but you're friends of ours, friends of the show, you're listening to the show, and you want to see us, get your tickets. Don't wait. Don't be like, oh, it's just counted out. You're, you know, we'll get tickets easy. It's not counted out. This is not a counted out show. We just happen to be there. This is a Barrie wrestling show, and it's the biggest show of the year. Get your tickets now. Now. This it show will, will sell out. It I will promise sell you. I promise you this show will sell out. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the front row is already sold out as we speak. Pretty sure. So, and it's not even August yet. So, get your fucking tickets now if you want to see uh, Canada Out Live. We're going to be talking to at least one wrestler during the show. We'll tell you who that is in a week or two. But we're going to have a good time, man. It's always a good time, Barry. It is. It's going to be a good time this weekend at Barry Kempen Fest. I'm really excited for that. And uh, of course, Rock Solid Wrestling on the 19th is coming up very fast. SummerSlam is also this Saturday, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm excited. It's going to be a good weekend. And uh, there's one more wrestler we haven't had on the show. We're going to get it on the show sooner than later. The hottest new wrestler on the indie scene. Let's get Wilson on the show sooner than later. Yeah, I'm down for that. Love Wilson. <laughs> Take us home, buddy. We we, we got to talk to him before he gets famous and forgets about us. Oh yeah, he's already already forgotten about us. <laughs> and on behalf of the debuting Wilson, the great shows coming up in August and September, and of course, old Blue himself, the big Blue Cage. We have been counted out. Cheers.